I was just thinking, <laughs> Jeff and Justin aren't here. That, pretty that means we can chant if we want. What a to-do to die today, a minute or two to-do. A thing distinctly hard to say, but harder still to do. Chant. A 20 to-do, she'll beat a bit tattoo. With a rat tat 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 tattoo And the dragon will come when he hears the drum. A minute or two to-do today, a minute or two to-do. <laughs> I remember I welcome everybody to the perfectly acceptable podcast put on by the comics place and explain that every Tuesday we get a whole box of, b- bunch of boxes of books bring them up here the wonderful Jeffrey and the amazing Roman come here they sort all those books they make sure we got everything they make sure it's all in order and then they go through and they pull everything for every subscriber and then they look at it and go like oh what are we gonna read And we all come in, and we grab up our books, and we run off to our respective hidey holes and happy places, and we read those books, and then we come here, we sell them to you for a Wednesday, and then we get together, and we sit, and we talk about them, say what we liked, say what we didn't like so much, talk about the comings and goings of our lives, and whatever else may come to our minds. That's such a pleasant voice. Uh, It's because I'm all hoarse, so it makes me sexier sounding. Oh, it's Hedy Lamar. (laughs) Roman. Uh, well, okay, all right, so we're going to spoil some comics. Uh, some of the comics we're going to spoil include The Mighty Thor 706, The Beef, number three. I, I wonder if we can just get a sample of Ashton saying, The Beef, because <laughs> he says it different than the anybody beef. else yeah. in the world. Yeah. Uh, Old Man Hawkeye 4, The Prisoner, from Titan, number one. Thanos Annual, number one. Ice Cream Man, number four. And The Hunt for Wolverine, number one. Of one, maybe? Kind of. One of one. One of many, but only individually. Um, that didn't make sense. You know, one thing we usually do is say who we are. Um, I'm Django. You're a dirty liar. <laughs> uh, I'm Django. <laughs> I'm Colette. Spartacus. <laughs> I'll go with Spartacus. Yeah. I'm Roman. Uh, we don't have a Braden today. Nope. That's Braden. weird. Uh, usually he's the one who has kind of the, the stinger joke. For everything, he's. Um, but really, other than Braden, that, that's all that's different today. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe there's something not quite usual, but nope. I can't put my Justin's finger on not it. Here. Justin's oh, gone. Yeah, Aww. Django's in the wrong seat. <laughs> Why am I in the wrong seat? I'm, I'm Jeff's to, not here. I'm used. To, oh. Yeah, that's it. That's Whoa. it. I'm used to looking at looking at that other guy, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. Good looking one. The good looking one. Looking good and good looking. <laughs> uh, did you guys do anything interesting this week? Uh, oh, this is where we do the news recap? I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the news recap? Like in the world? The real world? Yeah, don't, don't we? Uh, uh, Trump did a bunch of dumb stuff. <laughs> <laughs> is this the part where we talk about all the previews that have come out and nitpick oh what they could mean and and <laughs> speculate on things that we heard about yes. that haven't actually read or seen? Yes, and like then we every cut it all out and spare our listeners <laughs> speculative trailer breakdowns. I heard, I heard that uh, they're going to redo... In the Venom trailer, they're going to redo all of Tom Hardy's words because they sound awful. Oh. 
Have you seen that, the new trailer? I have not, but here's my opinion on it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard that the CG looks really crappy in it. It's like CW style. Yeah, nice, nice. But okay. even worse, Tom Hardy has a made-up accent again. <laughs> He's not allowed to talk normal. Yeah, what is that accent? I don't know. Tom Hardy's one of those actors that... If he ha- the less lines he has, the better actor he is. Yeah. Like he's awesome <laughs> if he's just standing there and, and like reacting to things yep. and brooding. But the more he speaks, the more I, I want to turn it off. Max, <laughs> my name is Max. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I didn't read the Mighty Thor seven hundred six by Jason Aaron and uh, Russell Dodderman and who who's this Wilson listed? Matt um, Wilson. Matt Wilson. Uh, but I think you guys have been reading it. Oh, yep, every man. issue. This is the top of my stack every time it comes out. I love this book so much, and this was—I—I I don't know about you, but this was for me like the right ending. Yeah. For this book, I felt it—it it wasn't anything super intense. I wasn't moved to tears like I have been in the last couple issues, but it just wrapped up such a strong and moving series in such a solid way. I this is so this is like a epilogue, right? No, I, I thought that no, the last this issue is, was the end. No, this is the last issue. There's gonna be a a, a one shot epilogue coming out. Um okay. I can't remember what it's called. It's is it by Jason Aaron? Yeah. By, yeah. By Jason Aaron. Yeah, Dodderman's not doing the art for it, but it's it's Aaron. Um it's the Mighty Thor at the Gates of Valhalla. Yeah, that's it. This is definitely Valhalla. the... <laughs> Drawn by Jen Bartel and Ramon Perez. That should be mm. good. Be different than it's been, but yeah. fun. Um, yeah, this was... So, spoiler, Jane doesn't actually die. <sighs> oh, I know, I ruined it for everybody. I didn't uh, know that. I well, assumed that she died. Well, well, so well, I the whole time I've been expecting like, oh, you know, Jane's not going to die. My, she's not going to be able to be Mighty Thor again because they've been advertising it as the death of Mighty Thor. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the last issue, I was like, you know, it is Jason Aaron. Like, she might be dead. She might just be gone. And uh, and this is she did die, but standing at the gates of Valhalla, she's can't bring herself to walk through because she feels like she still has work to do as Jane. She can still help the world. Yeah. And and so there's a way that she manages to to stay alive. Hmm. But she's just Jane Foster. And it, it, I don't know, to me, this character, like, when this book first came out, everybody was like, oh, it's a female Thor. It's a new female character. That's what is such a big deal about it. Her being female was not what made this character so strong. You've got a superhero who's dying of cancer and actively choosing to not get treatment Mm -hmm. because she feels she owes it to other people to help them and put herself aside and and then ultimately makes the decision where she's told, you're going to die if you transform again. And... No, Asgard, all these people that have treated me horribly this entire time have been out to take me down. They're going to die if I don't do this. Oh, okay. And she transforms again and goes to save 
Odin, who has just been out to get her the entire time, and everyone manages to take out the Mangog in the process, which no one's ever done, and and gives her life for people that have hated her. And that, to me, is one of the one of the most admirable superheroes we could possibly yeah. have, especially right now, it, to have someone that selfless and and for her to then be able to stand at Valhalla and, no, I can actually do something as Jane, too. Right. I don't have to be Thor. I can... I don't feel like I'm done. So she's Jane with cancer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which was introduced in um, God of Thunder at some point, which was yeah. Aaron's run before yeah. this. Well, yeah, I knew I knew yeah. she I knew she'd had cancer. I I just wasn't sure if when she went back when she decided not to go to Valhalla, if she yeah no she still has no she still has can- breast cancer, but she's actually able to going just, to her treatments and going to get her chemo. Yeah, just be a patient. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. there was so many good moments. This one <clears throat> did did I did tear up a few times enough that I like couldn't read the page that I cleared my vision but so many good moments because when she's standing at the gates of Valhalla and Odin starts off kind of laying into her again like he has been but then changes his tune and says you know you just sacrificed your life to save all of us when me and my son couldn't stop the Mangog and you did it and he does a great little speech and when the doors to Valhalla opens it's a it's it's well a beautiful page so many good moments in this. And mm-hmm. I didn't expect. I thought Aaron was actually going to kill Jane. And then when they... And I don't want to... God, I want to talk about it, but I don't want to ruin it, too. The way... Listen, you should have read the comic before, you, <laughs> like, if you care. Yeah, spoilers. Yeah. Uh, but the way Odin and, and Odin's son make it so she can come back is, is just cool. Yeah, and it's, it's so it's moving. Beautiful. I mean, Thor and Odin's son, <clears throat> his... his expressions and his body language and stuff are just great. And it ties so much of the the full story arc together. There's little bits that seemed like just interesting little story tidbits throughout yeah. the run that actually culminate mm-hmm. in this last issue and how they're able to bring her back. And her conversation with Odin's son at the end, mm-hmm. too, is yeah. really lovely. And they're just... Her, her letting him know that he's just because he still can't lift Mjolnir, which has actually been destroyed. Um, nice. But uh, but there's a little fragment left. and That he also can't lift? Um, he can oh. barely hold it up. Yeah, and it's and great because she's Jane, and she gives it to him, and she has no problem, even with cancer, holding it because she's right. so worthy. But, he, well, she, but she drops it in his hand, and he's like, oh, jeez, what is this? <laughs> I don't know if I like that. I feel like you can either lift it or not. Right. Well, that's still true, though. But but like the and but she's already proven but he she can, can hold it, right? Yeah. He just can't hold it very well. I feel like it's not a weight thing; it's a magic thing, mm-hmm. and it should just pull his hand all the way down and pin him. But when the whole conversation is about that, so much of what, at least how I interpreted it, what made Odin's son unworthy was his concept of his worthiness. Right. It, so maybe. He's and feeling... when the whole conversation is her explaining why he has a right to be Thor, mm-hmm. even if it's difficult for him, that the actually the difficulty is part of why he right. has a right to it, yeah. that makes the weight of it mean okay. a lot more. Fine. Fine. <laughs> as long as if it was the whole hammer, it would he'd be able to lift it just as poorly. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and this will lead to him becoming slowly more and more worthy, and so by the time Mjolnir is restored, because it eventually probably will be, he can lift it. Yeah. Do you think that if Jane Foster wasn't a pre-existing character, um, he would have, Jason Aaron would have let her die? Maybe. He talks in here in the text piece and back. Um, he says how originally he was actually toying with the idea of it making it Freya, Thor's mother, was going to be. Really? Take up the hammer, and he kind of was had yeah his decided his, that oh Jane has cancer that'd be interesting yeah his letter in the back is nice it's definitely worth reading when you pick this yeah. up um, yeah he talks about he always loved he always wanted to do like a Beta Ray Bill kind of someone else with the hammer type of right. story and so he toyed with Freya and then when it came time to actually do it after having written Jane in with her cancer he was like that's that's, that's the story I want to tell nice. and. Uh, so I don't think it ever was an option either way, I guess. But I'm it's one of the few times I'm relieved that a character's not actually dead. Usually <laughs> I like I like when someone's cre- a character's created that you care enough about to mourn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's I think it's really important it's something that we miss in comics a lot of yeah. times because they're so serial and and it's rare that we have I guess in superhero comics, it's kind of mm-hmm. rare that we have something that lets people die because either it's not a character, a property. So like Batman dies, whatever, he's going to come back. Yeah. Superman dies, whatever, he's going to come back. Or it's paying homage to those things. Like Invincible just kept bringing people back like crazy. And it, it was awesome because that's what has to happen in a superhero comic. But mm-hmm. it's it's rare that we actually see a final death of somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and... I just, I really like that it felt like the finality of the death of a character, but that she's still there. Yeah. And and she can still be a part of this world and still do things and mm-hmm. down the road. It, I just have admired this character so much as this story has gone on. And, and so this, it, this just wrapped it up so nicely. So what do you guys give it? Oh man, there's, there's so many great moments, and even yeah. even artistically, I mean, there's all these nods to Walt Simpson's Crackathooms and oh, when oh, there's when they're trying to bring her back, and there's that that panel, and there's just the little wispy crackle, yeah, from just her coming eye. off the yeah. corner of her eye. It's so good. So many great oh, character nice. moments because like it really shows mm-hmm. Odin's sons. Because the rest of them, Heimdall and everybody, is like, you know, it's too late. She's she's gone. Right. And Odinson won't give up. And that actually inspires Odin to, like, finally quit being a prick and, yeah. <laughs> and be the god he's supposed to be. Oh, man. It's also good. Yeah. I think this issue in and of itself, like, it wrapped it up so nicely, but it didn't. It didn't move me, say, as much as the last two issues did, or two issues ago. That was mm. that was my favorite issue of the run, but um, I'd say this issue, oh, 8.5 or 9, maybe, but, but the entire series, I, this is, 
I don't give anything a 10, but I would say 9.7. That's probably it's okay to give something a 10 if it's your, if it's great. Yeah, there Roman hands them there's out like moments they're here mints. and there though. I, <laughs> Not that indiscriminately. <laughs> no, you know there were moments that weren't as <clears throat> gripping and as moving mm-hmm. throughout the run, but I, this is one of the best series I've read. I think I read the first six issues or the first twelve issues, the first full two hardcovers of the Mighty Thor books, and then it switched over to post-Secret Wars, and I read one or two, and then I think I bought them all and haven't haven't plowed through them yet. I'm, I'm excited to go back and read it all as one, because I, yeah. think, I think with Jason Aaron, he's got a story from start to finish, mm-hmm. and when he's got something this kind of long-term, I'm, I'm anxious to read it all as, as one story. Yeah, I, this is one that I look forward to going back to and yeah. rereading all as one story, especially knowing that he, like, this is the end he planned from the get-go. Yeah. And yeah. and it's it's just been a, such a good book, too, in that it's it's gone through the character journey and the deeper stuff, but also there's fun superhero-y tangents. Yeah. Like, when yeah. she goes off and is dealing with the Shi'ar, like, that's just fun Marvel. That's what yeah. I want to see in a good superhero book. Battle and, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing that uh, one writer did all this and hit all those all those marks, all those points. Because he's almost as good as Dan Slott at this point. Oh, almost. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, sorry, uh, Dan. Just <laughs> and her whole journey, because um, as a cancer patient, or any kind of patient, I suppose, um, with a chronic illness. You don't want to be a burden on your friends. I mean, you're not a burden, but you, you feel that way. You want to pull your own weight, and she does that and is still a hero and sacrifices and saves people. But then getting to not remain dead and go and finish the cancer fight and everything, that was that's just so, so touching. You know, made me think of the people I've lost and the people that survived cancer, and I was just like, man, that... Every single one of them. That's what I wish I could have seen. So would you, know? you read uh, a Jason Aaron scripted book about Jane Foster going through that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would read anything Aaron wrote, even if it was just like life at the post office. <laughs> you know, he, is, uh, he does write the copy for a lot of cereal boxes. Most, <laughs> most post cereal boxes have Jason Aaron... <laughs> Uh, ingredients. I used to. I, oh, I used to think. Well, except I didn't like his Doctor Strange. That's the only thing I've he's written that I haven't liked. Hmm. Oh, and Goddamned. I didn't like Goddamned. Oh, I loved Goddamned. <laughs> what do you give it, Roman? I'll give this one. After that damn mint comment, now I feel like I. <laughs> oh, you got to do it. <laughs> do it. I want to give it. I want to give this it. one a ten. I'll give his his series so far because it's still going a ten. Nice. Nice. How much do we know? How much more he's doing? I don't indefinitely. I, yeah, he hasn't set okay. an end. I mean, I yeah. I wish Dodderman, the artist, was continuing. Oh God, me too. Yeah, because I don't I don't really care for the next guy. Yeah, because he did a whole bunch of Thor before Mighty Thor, like before yeah. she took up the hammer. Yeah, he did yeah. the whole God of Thunder run, which was like four trades worth, yeah. I think. Um, I don't think uh, the beef. <laughs> the beef. <laughs> the beef. Roman, did you read The Beef? I read The Beef. Um, the Beef. The Beef. Tell me why you <laughs> this, like this. This is just <laughs> getting better and better. This is issue three by Star King, Shane Line, Shaky Kane, Ross Hell. Um, uh, it, Shaky it, Kane uh, is one of my favorite guys. 
I love his art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love the art. It starts off with this introduction of this cop who apparently has some kind of powers of his own, and he's just a racist, white-skinned Jesus, American jackass fighting the, our hero, the beef. <laughs> the beef. The beef. Yeah, some wild, and more wild stuff happening. Mean, this issue, spoiler alert, he lifts his shirt because he feels weird, and he's, he's, he's growing uh, udders. <laughs> a lot of udders. Given milk. And Although, on the next panel, they're not there. I think he's hallucinating. Yeah, they kind of screwed that. Yeah, maybe he is. I thought the artist made a mistake, but maybe he's hallucinating. No, I think he's hallucinating him. Yeah, because he couldn't figure out why he, he loves milk. He couldn't figure out why the thought of drinking milk was going to turn his stomach. And it's because he's giving milk himself, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Or hallucinating that he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually flipped through this yet. This is... I, I'm really enjoying having you guys describe this. It's just bonkers. <laughs> you know, and one of the things I like about this, every issue, the um, the the Spanish characters here, mm-hmm. me- the Mexican, sorry, Mexican characters here, he doesn't, the artist, the writer, doesn't bother translating their speech. Yeah. And I like the fact that he doesn't <clears throat> translate it because, you know, if I wasn't so lazy, I would, you know, put, type this into Google Translate and figure out what they're saying. But yeah, you can you can figure it I mean, out you can if get you know the even gist. a little bit of Spanish. Yeah, a couple words here and there. But I like the fact he, he doesn't translate for us. Uh, you're going to love Barrier then. <laughs> yeah. I read the first issue of Barrier. Uh, that's half in maybe Spanish, maybe another South American mm. language. It's... Yeah, cool. I've got also, it. I've got really it at home. Good. Yeah, uh, I like. I like that when he changes to fight the cop. He says, "You got a beef with me? You got the beef, and it's the beef logo." When he <laughs> says, "You got the beef," yeah, and then when he starts talking about the cows and oh, this weird thing, this cow, this this calf, he's petting it, and it like pukes up its tongue, it which is detached for some yeah. reason. Does it bite it off? Is I think it bites happens? its tongue off, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it looks like a slug in his hand. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah, I thought it was a penis at first, but... <laughs> mm, I think it's a tongue. Yeah. And, yeah, no, it's a tongue. <laughs> the the, 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 the uh, descriptor there. <laughs> yeah. Roman's I, mind just always assumes everything's a penis right at first. Yeah, Roman, that's a crab. <laughs> this no, cup, it's a penis. <laughs> this cupcake is a. <laughs> um, and, he, and, he, and he starts channeling the powers, the power of the cow. <laughs> it's just so goofy. Oh, I love it. Yeah, and then again in the back, just like the other issues, they show you how they made the cover, which is uh, milk carton. Which, like, I find it really interesting, even though when I look at that picture, I know exactly how they did it, because that's one of my jobs is <laughs> design work like that. But uh, I really like that they, they show some of that process. And yeah. Some of the, like the, the alternate versions that they sent back and forth to each other. So like you can see, oh, we thought that the names should go here, and then we tried it like this and tried it like that. It's cute. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was really fun. And there was things I didn't even notice when I was reading like. They put the with added omega three and down on the corner of the carton is like and it's issue number three. I didn't uh, put that together. Uh-huh. <laughs> I do that at the Fiamma Burger promotions. And these characters, I mean, this racist cop dude. I mean, even when he gets kicked by the beef, he as he's flying through the air, he's thinking to himself, "Yep, you'll kick me like a damn commie would." Yeah. <laughs> They're gonna just punch him like a man, like an American man. Yeah, and the weapon in the end the, for the cliffhanger is the the bolt that they shoot through cow heads. Yeah, to kill him. Yeah, this, this Lab- labeled D E D USA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, 
I don't know how much Shaky Kane stuff you've read, but he's a lot. Yeah, yeah. He, he did like Bulletproof Coffin yep. and uh, oh, that one with the that one shot with the like ant ants wranglers wrestlers. Oh yeah, cowboys and cowboys and ants or something. Yeah, what like was that? it called? I don't know. He yeah. did Monster Truck. We've got like oh, twenty yeah. copies of that. Cowboys and Ants or whatever it's called. Yeah, because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Listen, podcast <laughs> listeners. It's great. Um, but he do, he always does kind of like uh, Jeff Darrow style product yeah. jokes and little little background gags that I really appreciate. But he, he's much simpler than, than Jeff Darrow. Yeah. And even this cop is more complex because apparently he was in one of the recent wars and he mentions how his... The thoughts in his head, he can't he can't speak what's actually in his head. Mm-hmm. So his dialogue is all this weird, almost poetic. Knees you in the groin, elbow in the face, bruises bigger than dinner plates. Yeah, but that's not what his inner monologue is. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, it's kind of stupid, but I, I give this an eight. I, I think it's it's just really good, straight up comic book. Yeah, it's not. It's not really nutritious, but it's a good comic book. <laughs> it is. I uh... <laughs> I just noticed on the cover this little the suitable for vegetarians <laughs> label at the bottom. <laughs> Didn't even see that before. Yeah, I would give this an eight. It's just fun. I look forward to reading it. I don't quite understand it, maybe, but all. But yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way, listeners, we are. Enjoying some wonderful cupcakes from Icing on the Cake here tonight. I, uh, that one smells pretty good. Yeah, it's so good. It's a uh, cream cheese raspberry. Best cupcake place in town. Yeah, they are very good. And she was very nice and uh, misses us as closer neighbors. So. <laughs> it's so weird. We moved two blocks, and I never go to the Black Drop. I, I never go to Icing on the Cake. Like... It's two whole blocks. Yeah. yeah. I went in there on my birthday, and she, was, and she said the same thing. I miss you guys, and... She's she's so sweet, and that is a pun. That's her last name. Oh, man, <laughs> I'm telling Braden. <laughs> it, it wasn't Braden worthy. Anyway, um, thank you, icing on the cake for thank the delicious you. cupcakes. Mm. Any smacking you hear? Any lip smacking you hear in here? <laughs> us eating that. Uh, let's let's talk about Old Man Hawkeye number four by uh, oh. Boy, Sax. What, yeah. is, what is that Sax first name? By a, by a person and, and then Saxon. another person. Oh, Ethan Sax yeah. and Marco yeah. Chiquetto and Andreas Mosa on colors with VCs Joe Caramanga on letters. Caramanga. I think that's right. Yeah. It's like Scaramanga, but he doesn't have a golden gun. <laughs> yeah. So. The man with the golden wow. gun. Nice. Thank you. Oh, you want a Bond reference. You keep me around. <laughs> Um, all right. Yeah. We've all liked this series, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Who's the guy he fights in this? Because it, it started to lose me because it's... Oh, so, thank God. I thought I was the only oh, one. Damn, no, so it's, it's a guy... All right, Hawkeye's going through the, the wastelands, and he's just killing people who have wronged him, basically. Um, and he's not very good at it because he's losing his sight, and he's got some people hot on his tail, including uh, what is that? Uh, dead. Deadshot. Deadshot. Yeah. That's not the DC guy. No, that. Wait. That's Deathstroke. Yeah. Deadshot. Deadshot. Including Deadshot <laughs> and uh, Venom's and. 
Yeah, I love that the Venoms took over um, Multiple Man. And yeah. so there's now multiples of the... It, oh, it's so good. Yeah, Venom's on Infinite Earths. Um, and then... Uh, so he finds this guy who's working in a factory, and the guy used to be Beetle? And also known as Mach X. Oh, okay. So, Roman, so help this, us, please. So this yeah. is an old... Um, Teammate is him, <coughs> of his from the Thunderbolts. Yeah, um, he yeah. was. I mean, this is Mach Ten, but he started off as like Mach Four. But he used to be the villain, the Beetle, and now okay. his daughter is the current Beetle. Okay. 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 So um, uh, Hawkeye tells him that he's got to meet him over at the uh, the Cree Memorial, and they have to battle. And they do, but before the fight. I thought it was really cool that, like, so the Beetle shows up in his Beetle outfit, and he, it's, like, he's a little dumpy. It's been a while since he wore it, and he doesn't have any friends at all, which is established early in the issue, and he asks Hawkeye to help him cinch up the pack, and I thought that was really yeah, cool. That, I love like, that. Hey, will you help me with my weapons before we fight to the death? And, of course, <laughs> he does it because he's a nice guy. Yeah. Because um, it's, it's all about... This is a vengeance mission that he's on. It's not yeah. like I'm trying to take out these bad people. It's a, this is an honor thing. So yeah. why wouldn't I want to have a fair fight? Yeah, exactly. And it just, it yeah. kind of shows that, that Bart is. Barton. Bart? Barton. 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 And I'm bad at this Marvel thing, <laughs> aren't I? <laughs> that he's just kind of a, he's an honorable guy. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I. This was probably my least favorite issue of this run so far. I, I enjoyed it. It was still fun, but it wasn't as gripping. And I think part of it was just because I didn't, I have no association with, with this character. And I, I missed out on that, this era of Thunderbolts that they keep re- referencing. But, but the bit with, uh, with Deadshot fighting um, the Craven Craven's kids. kids or grandkids, that I loved. And the bit with Blindfold meeting up with the Venoms, mm-hmm. that was cool. I liked the aside bits in this one better than the the main bit with Clinton. Yeah, the, the issue kind of hangs on just a battle, which yeah. is it's fine, but it's not awesome. Actually, it's a pretty good battle. Yeah. It's like, the, the action in this is, is great. Shikato's an amazing artist, I think. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to keep reading it. Yeah. We got 12 issues of this, right? Is that how long it's going? I, I wasn't sure. Wow. That kind of makes now I this don't know, one make a little more sense then, too, if it's going that long. I, my favorite part of Old Man Logan, and maybe, uh, maybe people know this already, but it's when Venom shows up on that T Rex. And I think that they're overusing Venom in this series a little bit. I, I I like the idea of Venom just, holy shit, he's still around mm-hmm. and doing stuff. And I think Venom's been in the last two or three issues. He's been kinda. in every he one at some yeah. point, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you, Colette. I think, it, I think it's good. I don't think it's great uh, for an issue. So far, mm-hmm. I love the series, but this issue I'm going to give a seven and a half. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a six and a half. That was good. Uh, speaking of the prisoner from Titan <laughs> Comics, that was a gorgeous segue, Jango. Yeah. Gorgeous. Uh, let's see. It's the, it's the prisoner number one. 
by Peter Milligan with Colin Lorimer on art, uh, Joanna LaFuente on colors, and Simon Boland lettering. Uh, Roman? Bray, Jay, Django. I'll bet. <laughs> Thank you. I'll bet that you know more about this than I do. Um, about the original The oh, Prisoner. Because I, I, all, all I really know about it is that I didn't understand the first episode. It was parodied on The Simpsons. And I bought and never read the four-issue adaptation from the early 90s. I forgot there was the four-issue ad- I don't remember if I read that. It was a square-bound one. Was it John J. Muth? If not, it was somebody very much Jam like DeMattis, that. Jam Yeah. Kent Williams, maybe? What, what, like Probably It, it was Williams. painted, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I guess I do because, and actually because of our longtime subscriber Bob Carter, I've seen the entire run of The Prisoner, which is only 17 episodes. Um, and the first episode, yeah, it didn't grab me. Second episode grabbed me, and I finished out the series. And it was a cool series. Um, so yeah, a little bit familiar. I know I've actually been to the village. In, oh yeah, in Port Mirian, Wales. Yeah. Uh, did you get out? I did, thanks to my mother. If my mom hadn't been there, I would still be there. Uh, all right. That's a perfectly acceptable podcast. I don't think there's a better place to end it. <laughs> um, okay, so this is this is an update, right? It is. It's The prisoner has been, the premise of the prisoner has been updated 21st century, current times, which I thought, I didn't realize that's what was going to happen. I thought that was pretty, uh, pretty timely. Um, it's kind of ballsy, though, right? Yeah, like to take the, this. This is an iconic British story. It is. It is. But and but also that ballsiness is in keeping with the original show because that true. show in itself was ballsy. The whole concept was nuts. It's basically a very serious laugh-in, right? Yeah, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the way the series ended, oh geez, that was that was crazy. Um, but yeah, this has been updated. It's not Patrick McGuhan as. I don't even remember the name of this character. As the main character, I, and I don't think in the original series we ever learned his actual just number name. six, right? Yeah, once he was in the village, he yeah. was assigned number six, and that's all we ever knew him as. Yeah, but and there's a new number six. Yeah, a guy named Breen. Breen is the secret agent for MI6? Five. Which one are they on now? Don't know. <laughs> well, the current MI. <laughs> um, MIX. Um, MI5. Five is domestic. Uh, six is international. Oh, okay. It's like FBI versus CIA. Seven is space. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh see, I always thought they, it was just like they just kept going up in numbers every few decades. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it starts off uh, this agent, him and another agent who also ended up getting romantically involved in the field. They're trying to escape from the Middle East. In the field, like, on a mission. Yeah, yeah. That's what, of course, that's what I meant. Well, I, I didn't yeah. know if you meant, like, you know, in a out getting involved be- field. Yeah, out like behind, the, out behind the barn or something. <laughs> out in the alfalfa. <laughs> uh. um, and, and they're escaping. <laughs> um, she disappears. They're taking their escape routes, and she's behind them a little ways, and then he turns around, and she's gone. Poof. Yeah, don't know what happened to her. If she got killed, if she's been <clears throat> captured, what the deal is. So he gets back to London. Um... They're trying to figure out what to do. They're basically telling them, you know, doesn't matter. People, it was a war zone. People die in the war zone. And I didn't even know. They get into this whole thing about 
Legrand K, the platinum weight used to determine the kilogram. Oh, that's a real thing. Kept in a secret vault beneath Paris. I didn't know that was a real thing. That's, that's a real that's thing. wild. So there's there's uh they have a cannon weight that all the other weights are based on. Yeah. And the reason that they have that is because you, you have to have a very precise measure to compare other things to. There's there's one also for uh, measuring distance, and it's changed, which means that if they updated all their calculations, all of this, like, even though it's changed by, like, molecules of distance or something like that, if you update that, it changes all the measurements in space and ruins everybody's math for how the entire universe works. <laughs> so... To have, I, I thought that was a really cool thing to have be the MacGuffin. Yeah, in the yeah, story. what a cool it's MacGuffin! Because he's talking about two years ago, we found out it had been replaced. Yeah, <laughs> and it's slightly off. Yeah, <laughs> along with Einstein's uh, skull has been has been stolen. His brain has been stolen. It's all these little things. Mm-hmm. Um, then I and I, they tie into somehow maybe her disappearance or not. But Breen, our our secret agent. He's gotten pissed about this. He's been sick. turns out he's been sick of being a secret agent anyway, and he starts to blame himself for maybe if my heart had been in the game, you know, she she would have gotten out too. Mm-hmm. Uh, all sorts of self doubt. So he ends up into the issue, storming out of there, and he's going to quit. Mi five five, which is how the original prisoner first episode started with Patrick McGowan's character storming out of the office, and going screw it, going to my flat. I'm sick of being a spy. I'm out of here. And then he wakes up uh, in the village. Yeah, and he wa- and he gets you know goes off on his mission. Gets gets loopy gas blasted at him. Wakes up in the village in the prisoner black blazer, and he's in the village. <clears throat> uh, this had six covers, <laughs> believe it or not, Ooh. including <laughs> a cover uh, by Jack Kirby. Yeah, which originally I had thought, though I think I did read otherwise, but I thought at first maybe this was going to be, start off with incorporating some of Jack Kirby's original, he did some pages for an unlaunched Prisoner series, I guess. I'll bet that they're just using them for covers. Yeah, so they're Mm -hmm. just the covers. Nice. Um, Not really having a whole lot of Prisoner background, I would would give this a six and a half. I think it's an entertaining comic, whether it's something that I should know more about or not. probably gonna stick with it yeah especially because it's probably only six issues all these sixes <laughs> satan <laughs> uh i love the all red covers the one I, I picked up with the these these bubbles they're mm-hmm. called rovers and they on the show they're just like weather balloons <laughs> that just are inflated but they but they're the security force if you try and escape down the beach or something outside of the village these things pop out of the water and they come bounding after you and there's a quick camera cut, and, and then all of a sudden you're inside it. Oh, and as they come okay. bounding up here, they're, they're making this noise. <laughs> so weird. It is. And, oh and my God, there's lots so of weird. scenes like that where you're pressing your face up against it. <laughs> uh, one of the cool things going into the village when you drive in, they actually have like little, very different size round signs and buttons like on the trees or on a fence post of these bicycles because that's what they ride in the village mm. except for like number one has his own golf cart car but it's it's very it's all very in keeping with the show nice it's very cute <laughs> what do you give it well i feel like i should give it a six 
because of number six, but I, I, I want to give it a seven. All right. It was, it was fun. I'll definitely keep reading it. I hope Bob Carter's going to read this. He will. I want to see what he thinks of it. You got, you got a minute and 30 seconds. Go. Okay, Lockjaw number three with the spider ham in it. Lots of fun still. This issue, the, I mean, the, the, the wrecking zoo shows up. They're all animals. Um, they fight them. We get to see a flashback with um, Mooster Fantastic in it. He's a moose. Mooster Fantastic's <laughs> powers. <laughs> uh, and it ends with uh, Dream Sleepwalker shows up with apparently his, his sleep dog. <laughs> Exiles 2. A lot of fun. Valkyrie finally shows up. We get to see her. We get to see Chibi Wolverine. He's really cute. Um, <laughs> there's some great cosmic stuff. <laughs> Baby Teeth number 10 by Donnie Cates. Love this series. It's about a teenager that has, gives birth to um, the son of Satan, basically, not the Marvel character. Um, it's spooky. It's scary. It's, it's very sad. Um, and when this baby cries, he opens a portal to hell, which apparently hurts him, but he's a baby, so he can't control it. So oh. awful things happen. When Every he, time he cries? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Cool series. Archie number 30, Midge and Moose finally meet and go out on their first date. That's the most important thing about this issue. It's about goddamn Loved it. time. <laughs> Terrific's number three. Eh, it's okay. The War Wheel comes back, though, which is basically a big rolling tank that the Blackhawks were always fighting. So that's pretty awesome about that. Oh, oh, oh I got Redneck number 12. Uh, cool southern vampire grossness. Lots of people die in this. I didn't think you were going to get that one in, but uh, but you did. I'm trying to figure out how to stop my timer now. <laughs> I was trying to get as many as I could because I wanted to be like Braden. Braden, Braden's a mutant. That's his, I know, that's I know, I know. I, I didn't make it. <laughs> uh, Colette, did you read enough books to do a a B shot? Yeah. Shot? Yeah, I did. All I right. can. Uh, I got. I got a few things here. All right, one thirty. Go. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Shadow Man number two. I this is the first Valiant book I've read. I'm still enjoying it. I like voodoo. I like superheroes. It seems to be a good combination. Uh, the Wilds number two was really cool. I really love the uh, the look of this book. And this one kind of explains more about the actual illness that's caused people to be having flowers growing out of them and all that, and is setting up what the actual more the bigger plot will be throughout this series um i i think this is a cool book i'm really enjoying it it's it's definitely like a smaller indie book it's got its weird little jumpy issues but all in all it's it's really cool uh and then aliens dust to dust number one uh which i loved it's uh gabriel hardman doing the art and the writing for this guy which i love hardman i just a well-known fact, but uh, it's super, super pretty, if nothing else. It's not quite as creepy as, say, um, Dead Orbit was, but if you kind of think of if Dead Orbit was alien, Dust to Dust is aliens. It's mm. it's a whole bunch of aliens. It's, it's a, a colony that's now being overrun by the aliens and starts out with a mom with a face hugger on and her son finding her and it comes off and they're rushing to try and escape the city or the colony. And uh, so you just know that that, uh, that xenomorph is going to come popping out of her chest at some point, and it does in a wonderfully phallic way on the last page. <laughs> Thank you very cool. much. <laughs> i got to read that. <laughs> Because Aliens is actually my favorite alien movie. Alien. Truly, yeah. I love them all. By the way, tomorrow's Alien Day. April 24th. It is? Yeah. Why is April 24th Alien Day? LV2... 
Um, oh. Yeah. Okay. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So we got Alien Day tomorrow, which people are going to call us out for not having celebrated. We've got uh, the f- May the fourth, which is the day before Free Comic Book Day, which oh. is also re- Revenge of the Fifth. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 month. Man, comics, yeah. comics are hard. Pop culture is hard. Well, <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, the last couple of years I've been super excited for Aliens Day and been all about it and been in the store and everyone's looked at me like I'm out of my mind when I go, Happy Alien Day! All and right. they're like, what? Good. And I'm like, it's LV426. Huh? <laughs> okay. You just cost me 10 seconds of my buckshot. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Moon Knight number 194. Uh, I was worried after Jason Burroughs... Uh, said he was taking a break from this, but this issue was great. I really like the art. I really like the story. Moon Knight, it's it's just kind of always good lately. Number 18 of Killer Be Killed by Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Elizabeth Breitweiser. Uh, this issue felt like it put the clutch in a little bit. Um, we're going to the end, and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm along for the ride. It's It's been great every time. This one was just good. Uh, Grass Kings number fourteen, I think, only has one issue left, yeah. and uh, and then Jay is going to stop reading comic books forever. I heard <laughs> he and I are going to have a good cry together. Yeah. So this one is, uh, man, a lot of things happen. A lot of things start coming together, and we find out who is. Uh, we just find out a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a very <laughs> dense issue. Very beautiful issue. Uh, I also read the Terrifics number three. Um, Roman, is Mr. Terrific always just a giant dick? No, not always. He is such a jerk in this Though comic. Though he has been s- occasionally since, like, New 52. Yeah, it, it really turned me off. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Thanos. Thanos. We've got to quit saying Thanos. <laughs> T-Hanus. <laughs> I'm not introducing it. I, I I didn't read this guy. Oh, oh, okay. Well, Th- Thanos Annual Number One <laughs> by a whole slew of people because it's six different stories, and Donnie Cates, the main writer, writes the first one. It's basically Cosmic Ghost Rider, who's Frank Castle, was Frank Castle, telling some stories about Thanos. You know, kind of just showing us how he's such an evil, evil bastard. Um. Anthology series, there's some really good stories. There's some that were just okay. Uh, talks about his daughter, Gamora. Um, one of my favorite stories in it is the second story where Thanos keeps showing up on this just normal human dude's birthday every year, starting when he's an infant. And he shows up on his birthday just to do something awful to this, to this guy's life. What a jerk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's, and that's, yeah. that's the whole point of the story is Thanos is a jerk. It doesn't matter if it's destroying planets or just making one human being absolutely miserable. What's his motivation? To make someone miserable. Yeah, and eventually, apparently, at the end of the story, cause a death. Huh. Yeah. All right. The second story is set during the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. It's got beautiful art. Yeah, the art in that one's really pretty. It's definitely a... A Justin spread. Ooh, who yeah. Did that? Uh, uh, who did this? It was. Is it exhibition? Is that the story? I think so. Andre Arojo. Oh, Andre Arajo. And Chris mm-hmm. O'Halloran. I like. I can't remember what else I've seen Andre Arajo do, but I've. 
yeah, have I know good that. feelings about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I know that I, name. Like, I recognize it, but I can't remember from what. But yeah, and this story is just because of something Mephisto says, how you have to woo, that death is a woman, you have to woo her. And so Thanos starts causing these kind of, various kind of artistic destructions, cosmic destructions, all to, like, at the end, cause these beautiful bursts of color that are planets blowing up to impress her. <laughs> planets that pure existence was about being artistic. So yeah. it, I liked that one just because it was, I don't know, it seemed like a fun excuse for, I think Gillen wrote that one. Um, yeah, Karen Gillen, to come up with really crazy planets that were based all on artistic expression and different, like, right. one yeah. of them all, there's, have these huge uh, forests full of trees that document stories and poetry on each leaf and then at the fall, when they all fall then they collect up the leaves and figure out the stories, and I, it was pretty, it was, I thought that was the probably the loveliest of the stories Yeah, and um, each one of these, each planet, he just gives you enough. I mean, the arboreal planet with the leaves, that's introduced the most. And the other ones, he just starts. And at first, I, I was like, am I reading this wrong? Because he says, choirs the size of cities serenade one another across seasons. Peace and joy is, there goes the planet. Move on to the next oh, one. Nice. And you introduce mm -hmm. that. And, and so you never get to even find out really how they all, where they go with their art. The, uh, the next one was probably actually my favorite, which I... When I flipped to it, I was like, oh, God, it's another, like, <laughs> Scotty Young-esque, cutesy little whatever. But Thanos shows up on this planet of the, uh, I think it's the Adorables or is the name of the species or whatever. And they're all cute, and he shows up, and I'm like, I am your new god. And they're like, oh, good, a new god. What can I do for you? And he's like, I'm here to destroy you. And, and so they start, okay, and they start just <laughs> killing each other and just... Like impaling their brothers on peppermint sticks, and it was, and he's just confused and baffled by the whole thing. And that was, it was actually way funnier than I was expecting. Usually, I hate that yeah. kind of stuff, but it was, it was actually well done. I had the same thing. I, I expected to hate it, and one of the even guys, they have long ears. One's even choking itself to death with its ear. Yeah. <laughs> and when Thanos leaves the planet, he's. he's He's so he's like, let us never speak of this again. But he's got this, he's squeaking the squeaky toy heart, which was the heart of like this planet, their their <laughs> former god. <laughs> My favorite's the last little panel though of, um, he's left and one of them who's holding a friend's head on a peppermint stick. And oh, new god left. Now what? Another guy. Ooh, we can have a funeral. Yay! Mass grave. It's like hugging. <laughs> That's my new favorite. <laughs> so it's just a bunch, of, a bunch of different writers and artists yeah. doing the... And so yeah. does, did Donny Cates do anything? He did the first story. And does it tie into the rest of his run at all? Um, let me see. Let me look back at this. He did the last page too, didn't he? I think he did. It, it kind of does just because it's Ghostwriter. In the very last page, it like sets up the Cosmic Ghostwriter's new series coming up. Okay. Yeah. Oh, turns out he's been talking to Odin all this time. That's who he's been telling all these stories to. Oh. He's at the gates. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah. the, the annual stories, not the yeah. narration. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Boy, my favorite story in here is this short one where Thanos uh, helped an old lady cross the street on Earth, and he only did it because it prevented this other woman from getting off the bus, and 
meeting a woman because it delayed the bus just long enough so she didn't meet this woman and that led to the younger woman like becoming a Nobel Prize winning scientist and curing all these, finding cures for all sorts of diseases and everything and instead she just becomes, you know, like a lot of us watches TV and never does anything huge with her life and then she dies and at her last moment of death Thanos shows up, touches her, shows her everything she was meant to achieve and then she dies and Thanos is like, that's what I do. <laughs> I don't understand why he's such a meanie. Like, I understand him going out and killing a bunch of people because he's trying to impress death, right? Like, destroying worlds, sure. I, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. But, like, over and over in this, it sounds like he just kind of does things to be an asshole. And Yeah. This yeah. is basically him experimenting like, with tormenting people okay in pretty much all these stories i haven't read any of the main thanos story i know a lot of you guys love it i've been meaning to get to it he's never been a character that's interested me i i've never felt like there's enough motivation other than oh you're obsessed with a chick and so you're destroying things has that always been his motivation pretty much that i remember i don't know about maybe the maybe even the early 70s and this issue does seem like this individual attention seems like a little beneath his usual thing, but yeah. they were really enjoyable stories. And the Fraser Irving one has gorgeous art. I guess I guess that's the thing for me is is him giving individual attention to someone so small. Yeah, usually he's on I, a more I have a hard time a much wider scale mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. But they were well told. Yeah. So what do you guys give it? Mm, I would give it jeez, I think I'd give it a seven point five. Just six and a half. Six and a half? Six and Did you give any of the stories in it a ten? No. No? No. Um, I mean, they were entertaining, but none of it was... Nothing blew me away. Yeah. The old lady in the street, that was my favorite one. The, the Fraser Irving... This two-page sp- spread of Fraser Irving art with no dialogue or text or anything, I'll give that a ten. <laughs> Those two pages, that that one big page of ten. I read a comic that has similar colors on the cover to that Thanos comic. Yeah, Ice Cream Man number four. I have loved every issue of this. I think probably each issue more than the last until this one. Oh, you didn't like this one? Uh I didn't like it more than the last. Oh, okay. It follows a guy who's got a pregnant wife and his best friend who he hasn't seen in a couple of years, dies. And he goes and he hangs out with the best friend's dad after the funeral. Like He gives a eulogy at the funeral, and the best friend's dad is there. And the dad has, uh, has been absent in his son's life. Um, and so he invites him out for a drink, and he's, he's kind of just kind of an old hippie, little dirtbaggy. And uh, he asks the dad, he tells him that he's having thoughts of abandoning his wife and child. And he asks the dad's take on that because that's what he did to his best friend. And the dad's not not supportive of it. He said it was it was a mistake. He wouldn't have done it like that. Like he was now with some more adult perspective, he would he would do things differently. Uh, and then it kind of abruptly flashes to the best friend in hell ish and then has a weird cliffhanger wrap up with the ice cream man and 
the cowboy guy. I, it felt a little abrupt. It, it felt to yeah. me like it needed another 10 pages to really maybe drag out that relationship between the dad and the, and the friend and then give us a little more with the ice cream man and the, the cowboy. Um, yeah, I agree. That, that was, it was too abrupt. It, it was, it really messed up the flow of things. Cause I was really enjoying the story that that was all dialogue between the dad and his, his deceased son's best friend. Yeah. Um, that really felt real. I mean, I mean the regret, the father's regret and mm-hmm. the, the younger man's confusion, all of that, that, that was so good. And then all of a sudden, yeah, we're in hell maybe. But, I mean, even the hell stuff I thought was really interesting. And it, it jumped back to the the dad, like, hugging his dead son's body. And, it like, it didn't even feel creepy at that point. It just felt kind of no. sad. Yeah, it was just really, really sad. Yeah. Um, and, and the speech the dad gives about, to the younger man, about, well, you know, I thought, when I was a young man, I thought having a having a wife and a new son and everything that that was a trap and there was so much out there that I was missing because of it and turns out it was all that other stuff that was a trap the sex and the drugs and all that and I was a coward cuz the real meaningful thing was I should have been with my son and he mentions that I've never I never hugged my son yeah and he finally does after he's dead yeah but it's like oh my god <laughs> yeah it i mean the, the, this guy's undeniably good at making you feel weird and bad about something in every single issue. And sometimes it's a scary something, and sometimes it's just like this neglect that people give to people. It's kind of what the whole thing is boiling down to, isn't it, Roman? Like, every issue has kind of focused on some some amount of family neglect. Hmm. Yeah. Right? Like, this yeah. dad left. The, the one about the heroin addicts was kind of selfish, neglecting each other by the end. The, yeah. The one, uh, the very first one. The, the, yeah, the kid the, and his parents. His yeah. Pa- yeah. Yeah. And, um, then, and then I don't know what to make of this lanky, black-clad cowboy that shows up to, they apparently know each other, him and the ice cream man, but the lanky cowboy is there to stop the ice cream man from doing whatever his slow, subtle torture of the inhabitants of this town. I know what you're doing to the people in this town, friend of mine. And I don't think I like it very much at all. No siree. So I guess I'll be seeing you around, pal. Whistle note. Word balloon. <laughs> uh, yeah, coming back in July. I'm absolutely in for everything else that this series has. And I, I think I would follow this writer through any horror book that they're doing. Yeah. It's, it's my least favorite issue of the series so far, but... It's like my least favorite issue of one of my favorite books that's coming out right now. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to give it an eight. The Ocho. Yeah, I think I would. I'll give it an eight too because the first half, all the stuff with the dad and the best friends, so good. That was pro- maybe my favorite stuff of the series so far. Yeah, I guess I just wanted but then another interlude. I, I wanted a little more wrap up on it. Yeah, and I was kind of curious. Did they ever do this? I mean, they go back to the graveyard after having a couple drinks. Um, and the casket is still above ground, and that's how they're able to open it so he can spend a few moments with his dead son. I was like, do they ever leave that, a casket mm, unburied overnight? That seemed like a cheat to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think part of going to a funeral is 
the lowering. What? Yeah, yeah. Like if you if you're gonna have the funeral in a graveyard, <laughs> you gotta put the the body yeah. in, right? Yeah. 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 Um, what do you give it, Romy? I give it an eight. Hunt for Wolverine by Charles Soule. And a lot of artists. And uh, David Marquez and Rachel Rosenberg. And then uh, the the second, I don't even really want to call it a backup story because it's just another story. It's Charles Soule writing it. And then Paulo Sequeria, yeah, Sequeria, Mm -hmm. Walden Wong and Ruth Redmond doing that one. Um, First of all, Colette, did you read The Death of Wolverine? I did. Okay. Yeah. You look sad. <laughs> it made me sad. Because Wolverine died or because it was not a very good story? Because Wolverine deserved a better death than that. I Well, no. I liked the last issue. Yeah. I was really not a fan of the Wolverine going on a world tour to say goodbye, but not realizing he was saying goodbye to every key person from his life. Yeah, it was a little transparent. Yeah, not a fan the last issue, like, I liked how he died. I, I wished that that one issue had been two or three issues and right. flush out that story, and that's Death of Wolverine. I would have been fine with. I'm also not a huge Charles Soule fan. Um, I like his stories, but I know I'm not a huge fan of his dialogue. So I always kind of have a hard time that they've they've decided he's the... The Wolverine guy now, because... Well, he's a goddamn machine. He can crank yeah. out 300 comics in a month. Yeah. Um, it's like, someday we're going to see him versus Cullen Bunn in a mud wrestling fight, <laughs> and the winner gets to write every Marvel book that comes out. Yeah. And some of the Aftershock ones. <laughs> um, uh, this I liked better. I than, really liked this. Than Death of Wolverine. Yeah, I... Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know why the death of Wolverine was kind of underwhelming to me. I didn't think it was bad. It was just kind of, it was very straightforward. It was a throwaway. It just felt very like, yeah, I read that. And and it wasn't that long after Old Man Logan, right? Like, Like maybe five years after Old Man Logan. Yeah, which in comic book terms is actually a... Fair amount of time. Yeah, but if you're going to do, like, the Wolverine story to end all Wolverine yeah. stories, you're going up against one of the best comics, I think, like, one of the best superhero comics that's been made. I would put yeah. I would put Old Man Logan up there with, even with Watchmen, to some extent. Like, if, if I had a top ten for superhero comics, Watchmen would be in there, Death of Wolverine would be in there. That's probably it. That's all 10. <laughs> not, sorry, not Death of Wolverine. Uh, Old Man Logan. Oh, yeah. And so to have Death of Wolverine not even really seem to try to measure up to that. Mm-hmm. That was That's why I was disappointed. Most of the standalone Wolverine stuff at that point, it kind of felt like he was due to die yeah. because people were running out of ideas. Yeah. He was doing great on the team stuff he was on. Like, Remender did awesome stuff with him on Uncanny uh, Avengers. Because mm-hmm. I, I specifically once was talking to Remender at a con, and I was like, why are you so mean to Logan? And he's like, because he's there for you to shit on him. Yeah. His <laughs> whole purpose it. is to just be treated like crap and see yeah. Logan just struggling through it. And I'm like, well, that's why you write him so well. Yeah. Drop a so, mountain on him. Yeah. That and, like, Aaron's um, <clears throat> and then Latour's... Uh, Wolverine and the X-Men, where he's mm-hmm. leading the team. Like, that was more fleshed out. But the the last couple story arcs of just purely Logan were yeah really felt like they were phoning it in to me. And yeah. so then Death of Wolverine just kind of felt like a continuation of, yeah, we're out of ideas, so we're going to kill him off for a while. I'd give Def- Death of Wolverine a six, and I would give it uh, I would give it a six, but I would say you should read it 
if you like Wolverine. Yeah. And, and if you're going to continue all this stuff, like it's an important enough part of the story that you shouldn't skip it. Just don't raise your expectations for it. Don't buy it as an event where you're looking forward to reading a really cool event. Yeah. You're reading Wolverine's continuity right. and it's, and it's interesting in the broader story. And so at the end yeah. of that, Wolverine has lost his healing factor and he gets covered in molten adamantium, which is horrifying. And all I've been able to think about since that happened to him, since the day that happened, I've been thinking of what if he's still alive in there yeah. and he's shitting and pissing and shitting and pissing <laughs> and just kind of stewing in his own juices. See, I was thinking more of the... Adamantium is toxic, so he's basically just a giant ball of conscious pus inside oh, of there. Oh, <laughs> God, that's so much better. <laughs> Mine is so juvenile. <laughs> like, I loved stuff. that in Logan. They didn't actually cover why he was always having pus coming out with his claws and everything. It's because right. the adamantium's poisonous, and it's kill that's why it's killing him. Right. I, yeah, I... By the way, I love Logan. I love Wolverine. If you want to get me going on tangents. So <laughs> the, the next important thing, I think, that happened with Wolverine, so he died, and then all the pus happened inside there, presumably, <laughs> and then old man Logan came back. Yeah, and, and he Secret was, Wars and all those universes well, Secret Wars together, first, but then so we could have yeah, him. Yeah, they smashed them all together, yeah. and then we had Old Man Logan in the main Marvel universe along with a dead Wolverine. Yeah, right. And so it was like issue six or seven or something. Old Man Logan decided to go kill everybody who'd wronged him in in his timeline, and Captain America actually takes him down to visit the body, the adamantium cast body of himself, and. I really liked that issue. Like, that was a turning point in the series for me. This comic starts with us seeing the cabin in Canada that they've got Wolverine under. And the Reavers are coming to get it in order to either sell the adamantium or sell Wolverine's body. Or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and of Which course, I'm always excited whenever I see Reavers because you just know it's going to be a cool fight scene and yeah. then cyborgs being ripped apart. Yeah. Which is, you know, makes me happy every and we, day. <laughs> we actually, uh, I didn't know this, but we got the first appearance of the Reavers. Well, the initial battle with the Reavers at Moonbase. It's, oh. it's an X-Men issue that I had never really considered as, you know, a, a standout issue. It's a cool little Wolverine story, but it's, it's Wolverine's first battle like first solo battle and it's where he messes the reavers up bad enough that they have to become cyborgs oh man yeah crap uh, now i know what i'm buying that yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah so the x-men show up and between flashbacks and battles uh they take out the reavers um but also we get to see before we see like uh, mr fantastic comes and visits wolverine and like, everybody kind of does this little, their own little eulogy for Wolverine. Uh, and then, turns out that they took Wolverine's body out of the adamantium. They had Kitty Pride phase him out. Yeah, I love when Storm goes on her, like, no, this isn't right. Like, we literally put him on a pedestal. This is Logan. This is not what he wants. Why... Why are we doing this to him? Yeah. And because it's not what he would have wanted. It was. It, I loved the story of this, and I loved what they did with 
kind of correcting that shrine to Logan. It didn't ever yeah. feel right for his true friends to, if yeah. they would know that's not what he wanted. And They phase him out and they put him in the dirt. Yeah. Like, like, like he, he would have wanted, yeah. Wants. He's yeah. just in a field, a mound of dirt, unmarked, yeah. just there. And, and then it turns out he's not still down he's there. He's not there. Um, and then the backup story, which... I'm going to read this. I don't think the backup story was even a backup story. Like, it was... No, it's... It was a full-length comic, almost. It was Kitty talking to Tony. Yeah, it's instead of charging us for two comics, they yeah. charge us a little more for one extra big comic. Yeah. Which is nice. It's kind of the, okay, this is, so we told you the story of what's been going on and how we the X-Men figured out that Logan's not, he's not where he's supposed to be. Right. Okay, now here's the setup for all the tie-in issues that we're going to have and why these different teams are going to be out there in their different places trying to find Logan. And I like that the last page is the uh, uh, young Gene looking at the uh, the empty adamantium shell, which we saw in X, in uh, Marvel Legacy mm-hmm. when that came out a while back, oh, which was the right. first introduction. That's this right. is that little exchange that, that she had looking at the empty husk. Because I'd been kind of wondering how they were like, well... But didn't we already, like, what, six months or eight months ago, see that they know he's not there? And, um, yeah, this was a nice setup. Usually these things for Marvel are very much, like, just a big, I don't know, commercial for the other issues that are going to come out. This was actually a good story. Yeah, it was meaningful. I felt sad for everybody who lost Logan Mm -hmm. and, like... I usually feel very sad for Marvel superheroes when somebody <laughs> dies, but I felt yeah. bad for all these guys. You know, especially in X-Men. Like, of all the groups, they have the most regeneration out of yeah. pretty much any <laughs> any superhero group. But but he was such a huge part of everybody's life. It, it, yeah. And I thought that they captured it well. I, I didn't love the dialogue. Like, I don't... I get frustrated that I feel like Sewell doesn't pay enough attention to the voice of the characters mm-hmm. that's been established. It's a more tropey kind of commentary. Like Ju- some of Jubilee's lines were, it's just like, that's not her. Like that's just the stereotype of her, which I know it, when they're already kind of superficial concepts right. of characters to then boil it down more bugs yeah. me but the story itself and the actual motivations for the characters were all right they were all there uh, I would I would give this a seven and a half I would I would give it an eight but I don't really like team Marvel books very much I'd so probably give it and I think I'd give it an eight kind of for the opposite reason of you I'm a big x-men <laughs> fan a big Marvel team and so those little things that wouldn't bug you as much bug me more yeah but uh, but I I'm glad I read it and I'm I'm looking forward to to picking up the uh, the tie-ins that have characters I care about in them. And yeah, that was the thing about it. They set up the tie-ins really well, and my guess is that each of those one-shot tie-ins, I'm assuming they're one-shots, is going to be kind of unnecessary except for one little puzzle piece that they oh definitely discover right. Yeah, so it, you don't have to. I, I don't get the feeling that you have to read those to know what's going on. No, it's a it's an excuse to put 
to get to read some characters that you like mm -hmm. looking for another character you like. Yeah. Well, I'm Curly. <laughs> I'm Mo. Oh, that means I've got to be Larry. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I, Larry, I Larried that up. <laughs> <laughs>